Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We meet every Sunday exploring the practical, transforming, and relevant teaching of the Bible by doing life together. Visit our website at crosspointonline.org to learn more. Now, get ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Really glad that you're here. Um, uh, Even with all of the stuff that's going on, God continues to... uh, Bring his church together. You're not going to stop him from doing that. Um, not only is he bringing us together, but he's building his church. So again, welcome church gathered uh, from wherever you are, from Alabama, from all over Georgia, Texas, uh, the state of Washington, uh, Florida, uh, UK, uh, NLB guys. I think I was on a little bit earlier and saw some of you good looking fellas. Um, uh, Doug, it's good to see that face, that pale face. Get out, get some sun. Um, all right. Uh, so yeah, welcome everyone. But you know, a special welcome, the most special welcome, uh, goes to the one that was not with us last week when we uh worshiped together, and that is sweet Micah. Boom. Is she around? Is she is she on here yet? No. Oh my goodness. She missed her first Sunday at church. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, um, if you uh, if you haven't had a chance to see her, uh, I don't know what I don't know where you've been because there's uh, more pictures than you can shake a stick at. Uh, she's certainly been a big blessing and. Um, uh, you can jump on the Cross Point Chronicles and, and uh, see her as well. Uh, we've got a new feature today. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it went to all of our Facebook uh, friends as well, but um, uh, the email went out for the link today exactly, uh, specifically for our Zoom and attached were, were our notes. And that's specifically for Barb Bailey, who's been pounding me for notes. Okay, Barb, if you did you download your notes, Barb? No? Okay, then... Lord Jesus, be with me. Help me. Help me. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yesterday, pretty awesome psalm. I just want to share with you uh, just really this is a spirit of what we really are praying for today in Psalm 25. If you've got your Bible, you can look at at it with me real quick. But I'm just just want to start off this celebration, this gathering as we gather to worship with these words from uh, David in Psalm 25. He says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul and you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope in you will ever be put to shame. That's a bold and brash promise. No one who's hoping you will ever be put to shame, but they would be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. And then here's our prayer as we uh, experience our time together today. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my Savior. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And it says that, well, he's God, our Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And so uh, this is just a reminder that my hope is not in anything else. Uh, It's not in myself. It's not in uh, Washington, D.C. It's not in um, my my money. 
Yeah, certainly not there. It's only grounded in Jesus Christ. And so that's the reason we gather to, to celebrate uh, as we uh, come here. So again, welcome. So glad that you're here. And um, I just want to uh, start with a word of prayer before uh, we look to God's word together today. We are going to do an amazing, we're going to complete, we're going to finish after over two months, we're going to finish Romans chapter 12. Can I get a big yeehaw on that right there? We're going to finish Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. So let's pray and, and dig in. Jesus, thank you so much for your presence today. Well, I know that we're uh, gathered in different locations, uh, different environments, some outside, some inside, some with family, some alone. Lord, uh, we acknowledge your promise that where two or three are gathered, that you are here when we're gathered in your name. Jesus, uh, we acknowledge you. Uh, we come to worship you. And we know that the worship that you desire is uh, straight from the heart and allowing you through your Holy Spirit to do a great work in our spirit and our lives. So today, Lord, I pray that you would take your word, your living, active word, and you would do a great work in us uh, because, Lord, you are at work in our lives individually, but across uh, this land and, and throughout the world. And we pray that everything that is done today would be for your honor and glory. And my prayer for each of us today, no matter what our experience has been from this last week, is that, is that we would know you better and love you more. Praise you and your uh, wonderful name, uh, the name that is above every name, Jesus. Amen. All right, all right. Okay, uh, well, to the title of the message today is Cancel Culture. All right. And uh, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. Romans 12, 17 through 21. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Now, if you downloaded, if you're a, a good student and you downloaded your notes, uh, you can read along with me. But I think uh, for our Zoom listeners, they'll uh, have it on your screen here. Beginning with verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The love, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, My vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right. Father, just enlighten us to what you want us to know through your word today. Now, this particular passage, as it concludes this transformational uh, book, the book all about what it really takes for us to change uh, is a very powerful and timely word for us, especially given what's going on uh, in our world and specifically what's going on in America right now. <clears throat> and as we look to these particular verses, followers of Christ, seekers of Christ, 
Here's what he's saying. He's saying this, this, this right here, what he's saying in these verses 17 through 21 as he continues, this is how followers of Jesus should live. He's saying, this is how you live as a Christian. <clears throat> this is what it looks like. If you, if you want to know what it really looks like, he said, look to my word. You don't need to look at the culture around you. Uh, don't, <clears throat> you don't need to look you know, at what it means to be an American Christian. You need to look to God's word. And, and I think this is especially relevant over, uh, over these last weeks and months, uh, uh, given that we're living in what's now being called a cancel culture. Have you heard? Have you heard of that term, cancel culture? I had never even heard the term uh, or this phrase until a month or two ago. But I can tell you for sure it is real. Um, and basically, what cancel culture is, and this is a broad stroke, is this: is if you say or do anything that I don't agree with, then immediately, swiftly. You know, I dismiss you. I dismiss your opinion and your actions completely. You know, you're just dismissed. You're not relevant. And and on many occasions in this cancel culture, it's like you immediately become the adversary. You immediately become an enemy. So uh, if that's the case, what's going on in cancel culture is, is then I, uh, you know, if you've done this, and, and I dismiss you, I start a campaign to threaten your well-being unless you immediately uh, comply with my demands. And so social media has become the medium. Social media is, is the wielding sword. It's the sword of this thing, and it is swift. And, that, you know, and, and there's a lot been a lot of examples in the news and stuff like that. Um, the... Um, and, and so much of it nowadays, you know, because of the, uh, the political uh, uh, environment in which we're living in and so divisive and all that. So, so much of it is, is political in nature, but uh, there's deeper roots to it. But, you know, the Goya Food CEO, you know, boycotted and all that, you know, swift action, you know, uh, because of something he said about Trump. But, you know, but he'd also said the same thing about Obama and all this. But it's just like it's this irrational hatred that's out there. A UCLA professor, yeah, think about this, a UCLA professor who is being investigated and asked to step aside at the, this moment because he read Martin Luther's King, uh, the letters from Birmingham. What? Because it had the N-word in it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and if you've never read that, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to read it. Um, I just saw this last week where, you know, recently the 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 uh, communication chief for Boeing, he stepped down because of a statement that he made, you know, when he's in, the, I think, Air Force uh, 33 years ago uh, when he was in his 20s. Uh, he, he doesn't feel the same about it, but it had to do with women uh, uh, serving in the military. And uh, but uh, to 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 keep the backlash from being so severe, he stepped down. So uh, there there's an agenda out there. But what we really need to know and understand and, and just kind of set aside is this. It's all rooted in the plans and the schemes of the evil one himself. You know, because it's the Bible tells us in John 10 that uh, his his whole objective, Satan has come to steal, kill and destroy. That's his mission. He's he's it's just all about evil. So what I want to do is just take a few moments 
because what it does, it gets us all jacked up. A lot of this stuff gets us jacked up and we see this stuff and, you know, we say stuff and we post stuff. And But, but given the fact that the environment that we're living in today, and, I, and you may not be uh, greatly affected by it right now, but the truth of the matter is, is that we all will be. So what does God want us to know? What should you know as a follower of Christ? And then what should we do as followers of Jesus Christ? Okay, so let's take a look at this just for a little bit. So what we need to know about this cancel culture. Uh, basically, cancel culture is rooted in this postmodern assertion that all truth claims uh, are individual and subjective. You know, it's, uh, it's just that each of us are able to interpret uh, the, uh, the, our experiences in the world, uh, in ways that are unique to us. So, you know, as a result, you know, we are told that there's no such thing as objective truth. That means, you know, objective truth is, means it's not subject to any, any, any debate really, you know, like two plus two equal four, uh, are, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish or that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, so conventional wisdom or wisdom out there today claims that your truth uh, and my truth uh, are just, well, it's left to that. What's true to you, what's true to me. And uh, for us to really to deny there's no such thing as objective truth is really an objective truth claim in and of itself. So it's it, it's a little bit crazy out there. So uh, you, you know you you've all experienced what's going on there. You know, and I remember this word coming up in the '90s and how it was such a big buzzword was tolerance. You know how tolerance was a, such a, a virtue. But you know if we look at the Bible, that's that's not, not nothing to do with God. It has to do with love and acceptance. Tolerance is a subtle form of Satan to come in and to begin to erode away stuff. So, you know, we are, we're told and being told by culture around us, you know, we are to tolerate and affirm any behavior that's not, you know, destroying us or just not harmful to us. Uh, and it's really interesting, you know, that how intolerant we can be or others can be, uh, <laughs> when somebody's not tolerating us. So it's just a lot of flesh just being flung out there in, in, our, in our culture today. So cancel culture is just a kind of the, the latest, the latest form of, of all this. So, you know, it comes down to some real basic things uh, that uh, we're going to, we're seeing, um, you know, God really calling his church, calling believers to say, Hey, you know, I want you to rise up. It's what we've been saying from the very get-go uh, of this pandemic. Uh, you are my followers. I've got my kingdom agenda going on, and and I want you to rise up. And I and I want you to do it in, a, in in my way. I want you to be led by me, not according to how you think you should do it. Uh, that's where we get in trouble. But you know, so in our culture, you know, we've you've seen it. We've seen it out there. If you believe that life begins at conception, then, you know, uh, those who don't agree with you will accuse you of a war on women, you know, and like you go, what? No, really? No, but be careful because what happens is uh, then there's this, this, um, uh, you know, this, this backlash 
that some of us want to kind of resist. We need to we need to seek God on that. Or, you know, if you say, you know, I believe that God's word teaches that marriage should be the lifelong covenant between a man and a woman. Well, you know, you're automatically labeled certain things. You know, you're homophobic or you're a bigot or whatever the case is. Uh, or if, you know, if you've ever said Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, you know, Jesus is the only way to God, then you're 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 labeled as intolerant and, you know, um, rude or crude or whatever the case is. So we know that. I, I think most of us are aware of what's going on, you know, within our culture. And so, you know, God wants us to be aware. He doesn't want us to have our head in the sand. Uh, but he also wants us to be reminded of, of this truth as, as we see changes in our world. You know, and we're praying that God would bring revival. But as we see devolution in values and morality and, you know, uh, godliness, uh, here's what he wants us to know. And it's found in John chapter 15. Now, if you, if you printed your notes, I think I put it as John 5, but it's John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19. And here's what Jesus says. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Now, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, I can remember reading this particular passage, you know, as, as a teenager and in, and in my early 20s and all this, and I was going, I, the world don't hate me. You know, this. The world, the, I don't, I'm not seeing, uh, you know, that kind of hatred, but boy, are we seeing hatred mounting these days. Now, especially right here in America. It's what's been experienced, you know, all over the world and other parts of the world. But we're getting a taste of this now. And, and Jesus is saying, you're not of the world. This is not your home. You're not created just for this and this alone. You're created for God and for eternity. We are eternal beings. And so Jesus is saying, now listen, because you're not of the world, you're going to experience some of this stuff. Now, what do you do about it? What do you do about it? Well, you know, as just red-blooded Americans, we go, well, this is our way that we've got. But, but we've got to read this with the lens of the world and not, not just what we've experienced here in America. Um, uh, we, we need to allow God to be able to take us down a path to know him better and love him more and therefore be the salt and light that he would have us to be. There is a crucial call for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up. But how do we do that? Let's look at it. We're going to take this passage. We're going to kind of break it down little by little. And here's the first thing that he says in this. Now, this is not, you know, a, a, a full conclusive list, uh, but this is just a very appropriate as we were looking at this. This has very real relevance for your life and my life in these days as you uh, see um, and or maybe experience opposition or resistance or even hatred because of the fact that you're not of this world, that, that you are uh, bowing not before uh, yourself and you're not bowing before anyone except for our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. 
He says, number one, repay no one evil for evil. Now, Bob, Bob uh, Curry sent me some, I'm, I can always rely on Bob to send me some good old uh, Spurgeon quotes, but uh, I love this one. And, and here's what uh, Spurgeon had to say. He said, he said, good for evil is godlike. Giving good for evil is, well, that's godlike. Good for good is manlike. You know, you do me good, I do you good. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. Uh, evil for good is devil-like. You give evil for good, well, that's that's Satan. That's that's what he's all about. But evil for evil, he said, was beast-like. Uh, you know, the beast, it's like the beast which kicks because it's kicks. It's kicked. It gores because it was gored. It bites because it was bitten. Uh, and, and he goes on to say, returning evil for evil looks like rough and ready justice. But is any man prepared to follow for himself uh, and in his own case, this rule of justice, listen to this, is he prepared to stand before God and receive evil for evil? Now, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Are, are we ready to receive evil for evil? Uh, you know, as the same terms as that which we really desire for others who have done us wrong? No, no. So the first thing it says, repay no one evil for evil. Um, you know, in, in, in scripture, uh, as, as we look at, at those that, uh, were in opposition to the people of God, there were different responses. Uh, you look at, uh, King David and his enemies, uh, matter of fact, if you continued reading down through, uh, Psalm 25, you'll see, man, these, these guys are out to get me. God just wipe them out. He's calling from fire from heaven. He is, he is, uh, saying, Lord, let's just wipe them out. Let's wipe them out. And uh, God used him to, to wipe out. And that's one of the reasons that a lot of people have trouble with the Bible is they go, good gracious, how could that uh, loving God allow that to happen? Um, but we see that he is exceptionally harsh on his enemies. <clears throat> then we take a look at Jesus. How did Jesus respond to his enemies? Well, it was very different. Um, and, and yet we see that the Bible tells us that Jesus, uh, his, the enemies did not take Jesus' life, but he laid down his life for God's purpose. Um, but here's what we see in this is that there are very different responses to enemies, but both of those, David and Jesus, were accomplishing God's plans. Here's the deal. They were both fighting God's battle God's way. They were both fighting God's battle God's way. So, you know, you can't take how God has told you, you know, or someone else and just automatically overlay it onto your response. David was responsive to God. He sought what was right in God's eyes. He heard from God. Jesus said, I never do anything of my own. And so they were doing God's work, God's way. So here's the encouragement for me and you. Get ready, because I believe that more and more evil is coming our way as followers of Jesus Christ. There's going to be more and more opposition. And we go, well, foot, I don't like that. Uh, but God is on his throne. God's at work. And for such a time as this, he's called me and you to be his followers. So he's saying, do not repay evil for evil. In your personal response, 
Do not do that. Now, God has established, you know, he's, uh, his ordinances as far as we have government and these things, they don't, they're not perfect, but he's established ways to accomplish his justice. But he's saying for you and me as followers, no evil for evil. No for evil for evil. Um, and then he goes on to say in that 17th verse, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Think about it. Be careful to do what is honorable in the sight of all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 21, Paul said this, we are taking great pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. So he's saying, you know, you don't do just right because, well, this is the right thing. He's saying, but you you take great pains. You take every, you make every effort so that you can do what is right in God's eyes, but also what is right in the eyes of men. How can we do this? Think about it. Think about it. You mean do what's right in the eyes of men in this upside down world that we live in? How, how do you do that? I mean, Roman, when's the last time you read the end of Romans chapter one? <laughs> what a powerful reminder to us of how uh, devolution takes place. Uh, and it's when we just really forget God. I'm going to read just a little bit for you. So just kind of close your eyes. Listen, listen to what Paul says uh, or God says through Paul in Romans chapter one, beginning with verse 18. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. And he says, since the creation of the world, God's made it plain. In verse 21, he says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Verse 28, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of weakness and greed. And he goes on to list all that. And he says, although they know God's righteous decree and those that do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So it's like a big party saying, you know, they gather all of these people. They're saying, wow, it's what Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 319, where he says, you know, they're, uh, they glory in their shame. And you're going, well, how can I do what is honorable in the sight of all when there's so much depravity out there? When, when, when we see uh, that these darkened minds and these dark, how, how can I do that? Well, it goes back to our example earlier of Jesus and, and, and uh, King David. How? It's by absolute total dependence on the Holy Spirit of God. You know, there's, there's no blueprint. There's no cookie cutter response that we can take. These days are making it more and more apparent to every one of us that we don't just kind of 
give God a high five and then go out and do our stuff and then spend some time with God. No, no, no. It's that he is the air that we breathe. God, you, which, which road do you want me to take today? God, you know, lead me in my decisions. Who do you want me to see? What do you want? Me? I mean, it's daily moment by moment dependence on the Holy Spirit. So here's a prayer that you can pray. Lord God, how can my words, how can my actions be honorable and unifying? Uh, maybe, maybe it's praying, you know, maybe it's praying before you post something on social media. Maybe it's praying before you click something on social media. Uh, give thought, pay careful attention to do what is honorable in the sight of all. God, wow. Only you can be the unifier. I just want to be your vessel, your servant in this. Repay no one evil for evil, but you give very diligent thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18, keep going. What is What should we do? He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Same question. How in the world do I live peaceably in all in this cancel culture in which we're living in? How do, how do I do that? Number one, I think it would help us to remember this. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're going, this is crazy. This is, this is bad. This is not good. This is, I ain't never seen that like this before. It would help us to remember this. This is not new. This thing, it may be new for us, a lot of us in America, because we've grown up in a country that was founded and grounded on biblical principles, you know, godly principles, but now they're steadily being replaced by secular and godless values and, and those that aren't seeking after the heart of God. You know, but we, we see cancel culture throughout history. We see cancel culture throughout the Bible. Saul tried to cancel out David. You remember how many times he was trying to cancel him out? Pharaoh, all these pharaohs and kings that tried to cancel out the Israelites. Romans tried to cancel out the Christians. How do we live peaceably with all? In absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit. Don't do what's right in your eyes. We see throughout the Old Testament said that's when they got in trouble. But pray about your response. Pray about your day uh, and surrender your life, heart and mind to the Holy Spirit. You know, I think we're starting to better understand some of the words, you know, of Paul when he says, for me to live as Christ. <laughs> he goes, I'm not living as Christ living through me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me, you know, and uh Anything that's done is done through Christ in me. And that's what God's calling us to. Jesus said this, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And, and what he's saying is, is that as peacemakers, that, that we demonstrate the very character of God. So it says, <clears throat> as possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Verse 19. What do we do? Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, 
Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, y'all know what revenge is. Uh, it is that kind of, that desire, that internal desire uh, to inflict harm or hurt for a wrong that you suffered at the hands of someone else. You know, growing up, you know, someone hit you, you hit them back. Someone tripped you, you tripped them back. So, you know, I mean, it's just the revenge. You want to inflict harm or hurt on someone else because of what they've done to you. And uh, but we need to be aware of it. One reason I think God is saying this because no two people ever measure pain the same. Uh, say you hurt me now I'm going to hurt you. And, and then when I hurt you, you go, well, you hurt me worse than I hurt you. And it's just a vicious cycle. Uh, but he says, don't do this. Here's another quote of uh, Spurgeon on this. I like it. He says, uh, we possess a higher life and we are lifted to a nobler platform than the common sons of men. And therefore we must leave a nobler life and be guided by more sublime principles. Let the children of darkness meet evil with evil and carry on their wars and fights, their strifes and their envy, their malice, their revenge. But as for you, O believers, you are the children of the God of love and love must be your life. Wow. Don't take revenge. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. We have a hard time even following this on, on the highways, on the road. Someone cuts us off. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get in front of them, slow them down. I mean, much less everything else in our life. I mean, and in our culture, we've condoned revenge. What do we call it? Sweet revenge. Wow. You know why? Because we want to be about what's fair. We want to be what's justice. And it, and it sounds great. Do you really want, you want it to be about fairness? About justice? Whew. I'm glad that uh, I, I'm not getting what I deserve from, from God Almighty. Mm. I'm glad that he exacted a whole different form of justice. And, and that came when Jesus laid down his life to suffer everything that I should have been heaped on me in my life. Um, so, you know, this revenge is just, it's just flesh. It's just flesh being, it's the fuel of our cancel culture. That's what it's all about. You know, it's just, I'm going to do something to, 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 you know, cancel you. I'm to, to harm you, to inflict, because I don't agree with you. Verse 20, what do we do? To the contrary, instead of doing this revenge things, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Wow. Now, you know, it's easy to hydroplane over those, but, you know, this, this takes us back to verse 14 of Romans chapter 12, where he says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Bless them, bless them. How in the world do you do that? How, how is it that we can bring ourselves when somebody is opposing us, when someone has uh, uh, inflicted harm on us or hurt us in some way, hurt our image, hurt our family? You know, how is it that we can look on them and if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. How do we do that? Well, I can't. God never said I could. This, this, this is a picture of a transformed life. It's what Paul was talking about earlier in this chapter when he says, hey, 
I, I, I beseech you, I beg you, brothers, and by the mercies of God, in light of all that God has done for you, to offer your lives, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. Just offer, offer your life to him. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so as we're being renewed, all of a sudden Christ in us uh, comes through us and we're doing this stuff. He said, so do this, do some good stuff. And then he goes and he adds this. He said, for by doing by, for by doing so, you will you will heap burning coals on his head. Now that's a, that's a crazy picture, isn't it? Whenever whenever there's someone in opposition to us, rather than us retaliating, rather than us for seeking revenge, rather than us putting him in their place, you know, we're going, hey, you got a need? I'm going to fill it. He said, by doing this, then you're going to you're going to heap burning coals on their head. Now. It's not, not absolute, but this could be referring to this Egyptian cult custom in which a penitent person uh, would carry around a, a bowl of burning embers on his head to show his shame and guilt. And so the analogy is, is that being kind to an enemy may lead, may lead them uh, to repentance, to, to being ashamed of what they're doing. Um, also, there's one one. Uh, um, belief is that you know this is talking about this horrific punishment you know coals burning coals on someone's head it's a horrific punishment that is reserved for the wicked but here it's a kindness that really hurts the enemy the enemy's going whoa 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 what? i don't get this uh, and all of a sudden they either going to become angrier like i hate you why are you doing good to me or God's going to use it to bring them to a point of, of testimony of seeing Christ in you, seeing the love of God. So it's saying, don't take revenge. Don't get out there and you start shooting off your mouth or, you know, shooting off your words on social media or yak yakking, you know, to gossiping to one neighbor about another. Neighbor. Don't do that. Don't do that. But if there's somebody you don't agree with, if there's somebody you feel like that is, um, you know, disagreeing or some type of opposition or robbing you of your rights. He's saying, don't take revenge. You take the high road that God has given us and allow Christ to do it in you and through you. Verse 21 sums it all up. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, here's another here's another Spurgeonism right here. He says this this text gives us two options. You're either going to be overcome by evil or you're going to overcome evil with good. There's one of two. You he says this, you cannot let evil alone. And evil will not let you alone. You must fight. And in the battle, you must either conquer or be conquered. Uh, wow. It says overcome evil with good. What is that? Well, all right, Lord, what, what is that? Here, here's the deal. When, and you got to pray about that. That's that's your prayer. Lord, what good words, Lord, what good actions would you have me to take to this person 
that gets my dander up that you know in my heart there's a spirit of bitterness or whatever. What, what, what good words, what good actions would you have me take? And it, it'd be relevant. But you go, what good does that do? Well, number one is this. It's going it's, it's to drive them, make them, uh, they're going to hate you more because they can't stand the fact that you did something good. But here's the main thing they're going to see. They're going to see a testimony of the life of God. They're going to say, oh, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a testimony. It gives God the glory. And then, you know, what you're saying is, yeah, but look, they benefited from doing bad to me. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. You you, you benefited. And, and because, number one, you said, God, vengeance is yours. You, you are awesome, God. And, and the benefit that they may have could be eternal. Eternal. You know, Jesus was talking about in that Matthew chapter 5 later on. He said, you know, the teachers of the law say, you know, uh, you, 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 you love those that love you but hate your enemies. And he goes, nah, I'm going to tell you, you love your enemies. You love your neighbor. You love your enemies. And uh, he goes, that's, that's me. And that's the expression uh, of my life. So ask that. I would, I would really, really encourage you because this stuff that's just driving you a little bit crazy and you're looking out there and you're seeing all this stuff uh, being diminished and, you know, our comfort. Or, or, or all of this stuff that you valued so much and that we valued and we treasured. And we, you know, we go, oh, my kids aren't going to grow up in, in, in the same kind of country uh, that I grew up in. Or my grandchildren, you know, I'm looking at little sweet little Mike and I'm going, oh, my gosh. This world is sick and evil. And then, it, you know, it makes you just kind of want to just strike back. And God says, yeah, here, here's what you do. You allow me to do it in you and through you. Um, here's the best good. What's the best good? Here's what Jesus says in John 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. How has Jesus loved you? Whenever you were pathetic, uh, whenever you were sinful, whenever you were rebellious, whenever you were enemy, whenever you were pushing God away. When, when your life and your uh, actions uh, <laughs> distracted from the testimony of, of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are my followers, if you love one another. So here's the bottom line. Number one, if you find it impossible for you to be able to embrace what God is doing there, uh, then the first step is to embrace Jesus because you'll never have the capacity to love like this. You will never have that capacity. And some of you are going, well, I don't, I don't want that. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. There is no love like this. And so it may be that even through this, that, that God has revealed to you, you know, you've been following some uh, rituals. You've been kind of religious, but you haven't received my son Jesus as your personal living Lord and Savior uh, because Jesus transforms your heart. So 
It may be today that if you've never done that, I invite you to accept Jesus Christ, who is the very expression of love into your heart and life. And then, so for, for us as followers of Christ, there, there's some very practical uh, encouragement uh, here through 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. And, and here's, here's just real clear, uh, uh, a clear, clear message from the Word of God. He says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to some folks. No, it says, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with what? Gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So what we're seeing here is real clear, guys. It's a battle. There, we are living in a battle. We have been blessed in so many ways, but yet we are in a battle, not just for your rights, not just for what is right, but it's a battle for the souls of men and mankind. We are in a battle. And God wants me and you to be his salt and his light. He wants our actions, our words to demonstrate the glory of God. This, this phrase by Francis Chan is what I want to leave you with because it's, it's pretty convicting. He says, something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. Let that soak in. Something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. You know, when people, when people that do not know the love of God, the transforming work of God's grace in your life, and, you know, you just look like every other American out there, and, you know, you just happen to go to church. Something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. It doesn't make a lot of sense for you to do good to those who hurt you to those who oppose you. It doesn't make a lot of sense whenever you are giving away financially to the purposes of God. When you are going, you know, I don't need a new car this year. I would rather invest in God's kingdom, that which lasts forever. It doesn't make a lot of sense whenever you choose to be a servant rather than be served. Something's wrong. And I need to say, Lord, does my life make sense to unbelievers? Or is the, the, the actions that I'm taking and the words that I'm saying really a bit confusing and, they're, and it causes people to stop and go, wait, where does that come from? May our lives not make sense. May your life not make sense to unbelievers so that through the expression of our being salt and light, people may come to know the love of Jesus Christ. Those who were once enemies of God. He says, and that's what he tells us in his word. You were once enemies of God. But even as an enemy, God took the initiative and came through his son, Jesus Christ. And God's wanting you and me to take the initiative 
to be his salt and light. And you know what that's going to take? It's going to take the love of Jesus. It's going to take being absolutely surrendered and dependent on him. It's going to take courage. It's going to take conviction. All that, that verse in 2 Timothy, those passages in 2 Timothy really says, we've got to get in his word, able to teach, able to correct with gentleness. It takes daily dependence on the Lord. May we continue to rise up. May God continue to build his church and that we be a mighty army for the glory of God, our father. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your amazing love and grace and this opportunity that we have right now just to sit at your feet. Lord, these are some tough things here. Uh, this is stuff that's not really within our realm of, of, of possibility of doing, but you've already told us that uh, even through your servant, Paul, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And why would I want to? For your glory, uh, to make you known, to know you, and to, and to be uh, your instrument of righteousness in these dark days. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would just continue to draw us to absolute surrender to you, that we would fall more and more in love with you, and that we would trust you every moment of every day of our life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CCC Roswell. Learn more and find ways to get plugged in at Crosspoint by visiting our website, crosspointonline.org. There, you could drop us a line or submit a prayer request. Like what you hear? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.